We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. Darius and Mike today. Uh, and a lot going on in Lakerland. Just got back from the Grammy trip. It was a successful four and two trip. Uh, Darius and Pete were kind enough to let me have a family day. And therefore, for maybe the first time since I can even remember, I didn't even listen to yesterday's pod. I didn't for some reason I didn't see it in my feed. And then when I checked, the last one came up. So I'm coming in blind. Uh, and in fact, I'm looking forward to listening to that after. But we are going to hit several important things, Darius. Trade deadline, where the team's at coming off the trip. Western Conference standings focus. Start me, though, at the beginning. What what did I miss yesterday and what is most important as we head into this topic along the trade deadline coming up tomorrow? Mike, you actually came up on the pod. We talked about your re-entry into home life and how we feel for you being gone for that long. It's a long time. We talked about how players sort of get used to this. They've been doing this for a long time, even going back to like high school and AAU. Like if you came up in this era of basketball, you've been playing like traveling basketball and had to go away and do a bunch of stuff. But we but we were talking about how, because what year is this for you doing sideline stuff, not just for the Lakers, but like traveling with the team? Did you travel with Minnesota? Not a, not a ton. The, the budget wasn't as high at that point for travel. <laughs> uh, I, I went to a couple trips. I got to go. You know what I got to do? I got to go to Seattle uh, and catch a game of Kevin Durant hey. uh, in 2000s. Yeah, the 2007 season. So before that shut down and that team moved uh, to OKC, which, you know, I still don't understand how that happened. Anyway, uh, I got to travel some. But yeah, with the Lakers, this is my 16th year traveling um, to you know, a lot. But I, I love the travel. Just miss the family. So we did hit some of our talk about the road trip. Um but also just how this is a busy week, man. Like obviously Thursday, um, the statue dedication for for Kobe, um, and we're gonna do a Kobe heavy pod on Thursday when Pete is back. And we also talked a little bit about the trade deadline, Mike, which is where I sort of want to kick things off in terms of the conversation. Yeah, hit me. Trade deadline is tomorrow, and it's been a little quiet. And I wanted to quickly discuss sort of give an overview of where the team is at 
in terms of um, going into the trade deadline, what they have to trade and assets and everything else, a couple of payroll stuff that I think is super important. And then I wanted to get into it with you a little bit about where your head is around the trade deadline in general. So I think there's a couple of important financial notes about the Lakers that could influence what happens at the trade deadline. First is this hasn't been discussed a lot, but they're not too far over the luxury tax, Mike. Only like a million and a half or 1.8 million. It's something really small. And while I don't think it's important if the Lakers are in the tax and they pay the small amount of tax that comes from that, they are a repeater tax team. And so the difference between being over the tax line and being under the tax line is probably going to be like in the $10 million range. So either the Lakers are going to pay the tax or they're going to get money from the tax paying teams. And when a team is this close to being over the tax line, a lot of times they find a way to get under. I don't think the Lakers worry about that stuff much, but that's a thing that's in the ether out there as something to consider. The other thing to note about the Lakers payroll situation is because they use their full mid-level exception on Gabe Vincent and actually because they use their biannual exception on Torian Prince, they are hard capped this season by the first apron. And they're about five and a half million below the first apron. And so as you're constructing trades in your mind, people out there about what the Lakers could get back in a trade and how much salary they can take back, understand a couple of factors are at play. They, they can't go over the hard cap at all. And if you're sending out multiple players in your fictitious trade to get back one player, then the Lakers also, there is also a minimum amount of players that you could have on your roster. And so understand that if you're spending up to the apron, but still have roster spots to fill, that's not going to work either because you can't go over the apron at all. So that's just some financial stuff. And then of course, there's all the pick stuff. The Lakers only really have one tradable first round pick. They've got a bunch of seconds, including Clippers second round picks in 2024 and 2025. And then they've got some of their own seconds going into the future. But that's sort of the landscape in terms of like non-player assets and considerations. With that as the context, Mike, and we've been talking trade stuff a fair amount, the vibe is much different than last year. Last year, it felt like a trade is definitely going to happen. This season, I don't really get that sense, even if there might be outside pressure and maybe even some inside pressure for the Lakers to make some sort of move. I am essentially at the same place that I've been in the group thread all year <laughs> and really yeah. publicly on the pod of feeling a little bit badly about how wet blankety. Um, that I have been and, you know, you'll come up with some trade and and I'll just I'll be sitting there and I'll see it come through in the thread. And I'm like, I, this is probably going to be annoying for Darius or for Pete if I just come back and be like, nah, I don't like that one. Nope, no, that's not going to happen. Nope. Unlikely. And I feel I do. I feel guilt every time I do that. But that I feel like that's been my role. You're like Godzilla with the planes, Mike. You are swatting down the trade <laughs> ideas. Oh, man. And you're like, dude, you're like, I was just in the trade machine for. 17 minutes you know what can you just can we just talk about it but i've been thinking about it more in the context of what the roster is and what the opportunity is for this year and like what player could come in 
and play a big enough role that isn't going to impact the next year in a negative way, that isn't going to put the Lakers into the tax in a way that they couldn't get. Like if they could, as you were just talking about the repeater, if they can get under it this year, then that could have um, benefits into the future. So there's all the, all of this stuff going on. We don't have to get too specific about the financials. So maybe we'll hit on it later in the pod, but just in terms of the personnel, you know, this goes back to last year where I was the opposite of a wet blanket in, in like, yes, a trade absolutely has to happen. And here are the places where it could come. And here are the types of players the Lakers have to get moving forward. And I thought what was so good about last year is that the Lakers got players that were either under contract for this year um, or were likely going to be able to be re-signed at a reasonable number. And, you know, that was the case certainly for Rui. That was the case for Russell. uh, And, you know, his contract itself is interesting. And he spoke about it, uh, by the way, after the last game uh, in Charlotte. Uh, let's see. That was after the Charlotte game. Yeah. After the Charlotte game. And so there's the context of it is the Lakers have figured out at this point, And this is kind of the, the most important thing for me. They figured out getting Rui Hachimura, uh, even if it may have been Vanderbilt, had he not gotten hurt into the starting lineup, balancing the groups out and leaning more into that type of a, an identity with the size and with the power and then coming in a little bit more with the skill uh, with Torian Prince off the bench. And that, to me, was a bigger move than most of the types of trades that I had been seeing that got bandied about um, that, that were put around in that kind of uh, in, in that way. So is there a move that the Lakers can make? Sure. Uh, but I to me, it's more like a, a couple of seconds for a player that comes in uh, and sure. can play a reserve role. Or it's for, is there a guy that we haven't been talking about? And I, I mentioned a name in the thread the other day, but that could be bought out of his situation. And then you can just put into the 15th roster yeah. spot without giving anything up. Uh, and, you know, and maybe you can figure things out salary wise moving forward. So that's I know that's not the sexiest answer uh, to come in, but I haven't I have more or less been thinking that this that there's it's not likely to have something big happen. And. That doesn't mean that it won't, because the best types of deals like this are the ones that aren't talked about uh, and that are that are sort of that sneak up on you. And I think that if there's a good enough player, then sure, great, go for it. But right now, I don't know that that's that's necessary. Uh, and and so respond to that, and then I'll, I'll kick something into the break because there's I, I got a little bit more info on the financials. Sometimes it's quiet because there is some workings. Something does spring on you as a surprise, and sometimes it's quiet because everyone has a sense of the deals that are out there to make. And the sense is that none of those are really close. From my perspective, and I'm very far removed from all of this, this feels like the latter. When Pete and I were talking yesterday, I think Pete is more along the lines of, it feels like I'd like to make a move, but it feels like it would be something smaller in the way that you just said which is maybe you can get a back end of the rotation player or middle of the rotation player for a couple of seconds and some outgoing salary. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I think that that feels like if anything is going to happen, it would go in that direction rather than just like you said, something that was bigger for a bigger name. And in reality, the context that you laid, which is, the identity of the team starting to become more in focus, that being as important as a move, like I feel that as well. And the general optimism that Pete expressed 
a couple of pods ago, I think that that's where my head is at too, is that things are seemingly on the right track and they don't need a trade to get them back onto the right track as was the case last season. All right. The last thing I want to say about the financial part of this, and, and you had mentioned that, you know, if you can avoid being in the, the repeater tax and that can make a difference and just how that plays out year after year. The one thing that I'll say in the bus family, I think has always been great about this is that the basketball comes first. And if so, the Lakers aren't going to make a move to hurt the basketball, even if it's a, at the back end of the roster, uh, just to save some money. If there's a way that you can sort of benefit the team moving forward and accomplish all of those things, then great. But they're, you know, I don't think they're in a risky place, at least like with the current roster as to where a move that doesn't help the team, but save some money, uh, even if it's a, a small amount, that isn't something that I think is like the highest priority, um, even though it can it can help uh, in, in certain points. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, Darius, you just hinted at this. And when we get back, where is this team at coming off the Grammy trip? But uh, heading into a weird couple of weeks of schedule that includes the all-star break, that includes three different back-to-backs, uh, that includes different times where they have two days off between a back-to-back. And, you know, how much can the trade deadline, whether it's minor or major, and we think it's going to be minor, can that give the Lakers a boost in its own right, just by the guys in the locker room knowing that they're going, they're actually going to be there on the roster? We'll hit that when we come back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty-five or twenty-seven and twenty-five. It was a great trip in the terms of, in the terms of them being four and two. But then, wait, still just two games over five hundred, and it just makes it made me think. First of all, Darius, if they had even slipped a game, uh, one of those one of the games at Boston or at New York, and they're all of a sudden then you know twenty-six uh, and twenty-six, the rest of the conference isn't really cooperating uh, in terms of losing and coming back to earth. Phoenix has won seven of ten. 
Uh, right. Dallas, uh, Dallas is the one team that has been coming back to earth. They've only won four to 10, but they've won two in a row. New Orleans, who was on a, a, a bad stretch last week, has won three in a row. Utah is not losing uh, anymore. Like they have, they have suddenly just won two in a row, including a couple of tough wins. They just beat Oklahoma city. So these wins that the Lakers have had have kept that them right in that play and mix. And they're still far enough away because Sacramento, by the way, who was, who was losing last week, they have started to win again. Uh, and it's just a, the context under which the standings apply. Uh, we can get to that in a second, but I want to start you with this one. Just how good are the Lakers relative to a week ago? Did they turn the corner offensively? Um, are they a team that you feel a little bit differently about the one that we were watching going kind of win one, lose one in January? Uh, what is your answer there, sir? So I'm I'm encouraged by the the strides they've made offensively. And I think the engagement that we saw from AD defensively after he returned from missing those games on the road trip was also super encouraging to me. And Mike, as you know, the Lakers defense is going to be set by AD first and foremost, but also like how much LeBron brings to that side of the floor. And it's one of the reasons why we've been arguing to play bigger is because we think a bigger athlete on the front line supports them in ways that sort of encourage them to offer a little bit more defensively um, in that way. And don't ask for them to cover so much ground as the only two like real, real athletes on the court. And so if the strides that the Lakers have made and continue to make offensively are real, and I think they are, and defensively, they have shown what their ceiling can be on that end of the floor. And this is independent of Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt raises the ceiling even more. But I think even without Vanderbilt, they have a certain defensive force that they can play with that it feels to me like the Lakers are better than their record and that they can certainly make a push within the conference. And so I'm... I'm of the mind that, yes, none of these other teams are really cooperating, but that's almost always a given. And I always turn back inward to what can the Lakers do to be the best version of themselves. And I'm I'm more of the mind that they have worked their way back in the direction that is going to allow them to get closer and closer to that best version, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I look at it like this, and, and the Lakers are starting with a tough game here uh, with Dem- with Denver, of course, coming in. But there is much as like if you look at the top of the conference, the Lakers have basically beaten everybody. You know, so except for Denver, Denver is the team that that you know they they can't certainly seem to get by. But like if you just think about. Uh, so the Clippers, Lakers have beaten twice. The Thunder, the Lakers have beaten twice. They right now are one and two in the West. The Timberwolves, the Lakers have not beaten, uh, but they got close and were sort of in both those games. And the Wolves are not playing nearly as well as they were earlier in the season. In fact, they're just five and five. And that's why they've slipped uh, all the way down, all the way down, I say, because they had a little bit of a, an edge on the one seed for a couple weeks there. And the other team the Lakers haven't beaten is Sacramento. That to me was more just a manner of sort of in-season focus and the Kings regular season style. And like, that's not a team I think that the Lakers are, are going to see uh, and, and just have a super hard time with. So the, 
even though the teams that are right next to them are playing well, the, the Lakers are not in a position where they can't beat anybody at home. They just have to kind of shore up their uh, like this, this, the schedule part that I was hinting at. Let me specifically say what it is. So this week it's, it's Denver and new Orleans home, uh, like home, home, back to back next week. It's Detroit and then at Utah, uh, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, back to back. And that game at Utah is the last one before the break. And that's always a tough game, especially on a back to back and especially against a team that is sort of still in their in their flow like they were last season. And so, uh, Darius, this is this this stretch of games here. You know, they're all winnable. And yet the two back to backs are just very difficult from a schedule standpoint. And the one that's the most winnable, this one against Denver, like all of the momentum, the Kobe Knight and the Black Mamba jerseys and all that. It's like, well, yeah, but Jokic is over there, you know, and he doesn't care about any of that. And it's just a it's a key stretch here where, like, I I look at it a little bit like the road trip where, you know, three and three would have been reasonable, but four and two, you're very happy with. In this case, you know, I think two and two is actually reasonable, but you really need to get to three and one, you know, to feel good heading into the break about where you're at. So. What are you viewing this stretch of games at relative to how the Lakers are playing? The starting lineup has been changed, you know, and it's it's a little bit different of a feel, at least from when they were going into the trip, when it was less certain about if they were even going to be playing the right guys. Super important games. I think the Denver game is very important. Honestly, Mike, they haven't beat this team in the last five games that they've played. They got swept in the playoffs. Then they played on opening night and Denver took it to them on opening night on ring night as well. So not a great taste when you were talking right there and described the Denver and New Orleans games. Denver is sort of that um, that hurdle team. And then New Orleans is sort of that team that's very close to them in uh, the standings. Sort of reminds me of that weekend worth of games in the championship season, the 2019-20 season where the Lakers played the Clippers and the Bucks over a weekend. Those were very important games at that time. And obviously a very different Lakers team. They had been beating everybody and they were very good, but they were still some skepticism based off of a couple of early season losses in particular to the Clippers. And it was like, oh, the Lakers haven't beaten anyone good. And this is that and the other. And then they beat both those teams. And that was sort of the trigger for them to take the next step as as a team. This version of the Lakers this season has not shown, Mike, that they are a championship-level team the way that that 1920 team did by just blitzing out to such a fast start. But this combination of games against Denver and New Orleans, I think, could serve as a similar springboard for the Lakers in terms of getting them over the hump. And so I view these games as very important. The Detroit-Utah combination... Whenever a team goes east by a time zone or two, like going to Denver or to Utah on the second night of a back-to-back, and you have to fly after a home game, and so it's late already. The Lakers aren't going to finish that game until after 10. You could speak more to like what time you actually hop well, on a plane and fly. Yeah, so it's a seven. So it's a 7.30 game on Wednesday against, or sorry, on Tuesday against Detroit. We'll probably get to the airport at around, you know, somewhere between 11 and 1130. I'd say wheels up somewhere between 12 and 1230 if everything goes well. 
then it's a what is it? It's like an hour and a half, maybe, uh, maybe even two hours of a flight, and then you lose an hour. So you're looking conservatively at three a.m. You know, in somewhere yes. between three and four, and yeah, that's 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 just about as bad as it gets. Other Denver is a little bit worse because Denver's a little farther, uh, and then you the airport is just ridiculously far away. Utah is the, airport's the second in the middle close- of nowhere. Yeah. Utah is actually the second closest distance between airport and hotel. Number one is Boston. Uh, believe it or not, Logan is like right outside of the city. And I, I actually looked this up one time because Michael Thompson was doing all, like all this not, trivia nonsense on the bus. And I was like, all right, fine. Let me let me actually look this up. So, yeah. So <laughs> Utah, Utah's close. But uh, I, I digress. Uh, the point is, it's it's a challenge and it's not it's just mentally a challenge in the way that because yep. of what we're talking about right now, players are having that same thing. Like, oh, man, you know, I like, yeah, I, I know I got to do this tomorrow. And Utah is used to taking advantage of that. So um, that will be difficult. But uh, here, let's let's do this. Let's go to break. Uh, when we get back, I want to I want to zero in a little bit more on how much of a challenge are these games, though, relative to just the schedule? And do they get a little bit easier after the trade deadline when the Lakers know what the group is going to be? And when LeBron and AD specifically know that they're going into an all-star break and that a win there could make a big difference in where they're at uh, coming out of it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, Darius, to set this up for you along those same lines before we went to the break, LeBron hinted at this after the game in Charlotte, and he got asked about the trade deadline again. And his answer was a little bit different than it was the previous time where he just was essentially like, this is the group. Now, again, that could change, but he is. it sounds like mentally he's already moving towards the, this is what we have, and like let's go ahead and make a run. And I thought he played like that, you know, for the most part in Charlotte. And I thought he played like that um, in New York, you know, after the game, after kind of watching what his teammates put forth in Boston. And, you know, LeBron's always going to maximize what he has. He might he might spread it out over the course of the season to get it done. But these windows now become a little bit more manageable, just considering how many games the Lakers have played at this point. I, you know, they've uh, they played 52 games. That, that means there's 30 left. And that's that means that the end is in sight. And I think that for LeBron, there's a different stage of, a, of just a, of a mentality. And especially now that he's got a little bit more power and force in the starting lineup and in the terms of Rui, um, I think that LeBron can use that to to advantage. And I don't know if that plays out exactly, Darius, in these next four games, but I think it's an important factor for the team. 
Yeah, so we are starting to get to the part of the season, Mike, where LeBron will start to ramp up. I think that that typically doesn't happen until after the All-Star break because he can use this extended time off to sort of help get his body right. Um, Even though he's going to have to play in the All-Star game, the All-Star game will be Sunday the 18th, and then the Lakers do not play again until Thursday the 22nd. And so he's going to get an additional three days there, Mike, to just sort of like relax and do whatever he wants wants to do um, before being back in the Bay Area to play the Warriors again, right? And I sort of agree with where you're at with the mindset stuff. LeBron, though, is also like a flexible guy. And I think if there are new players there, he will... He will embrace the new guys and he will make a push with with the new guys as well. I'm I'm more of the mind that LeBron understands that right now he's healthy right now. A.D. is healthy and he's got players clearly on this team that he, he believes in. And normally that's enough for him to make a push. And, and so. I agree with what you're saying about how he played in in New York. I also think that's playing in New York. And so he's always got a certain amount of of energy of energy for for that. I was appreciative of the mindset he brought to the Hornets game. Um, You had mentioned in our thread that when the Lakers started to let their foot off the gas, that that's like you said you've been covering the team for 16 years, right? It's it's just like, how many times have you seen that in your life, right? Where it's just like, oh, they're up 20. And that's, that's every NBA team. Yes. That's, that's every team when they're up 20, yeah. They're up 21. Like, let's start to roll the ball up the court and sort of try to bleed clock and and like, let's just get out of here. But then when it came time to make some plays down, down the stretch, he made the appropriate plays and AD made the appropriate plays and they won. I'm wondering, Mike, how much the team is starting to look at the standings for me, because I think a part of the push is going to depend on the standings as well. Last season, there were rumblings like Dennis, this is where you got to love Dennis, right? Because he was basically just talking to the media about this, like, oh, the locker room, we were saying we got to get this many wins, right? But it was clearly on their mind because of where they had been positioned that they needed to win a certain number of those final 30 games or whatever in order to climb to the place that they wanted to climb to, um, knowing that that was going to position them best to either be in the playoffs without having to play in the play-in at all or get to the seventh spot where they would host a play-in game. And right now the Lakers are in ninth and they're not too far as I look at the standings, they are, they've got 25 losses. The Mavs have 23 losses in eighth and the Pelicans have 21 losses in seventh. You just mentioned the Lakers play the Pelicans, right? They play the Pelicans on Friday. That's a pretty important game. Right. As the standings start to come into focus as well, how much do you think that's going to play a part in what the Lakers are doing in terms of this push? Well, remember last year was more dire in the sense of like they they lost. So to start February, they lost at New Orleans versus Oklahoma City at home and like when LeBron set the record and then lost again to Milwaukee on that trade deadline day. And then sort of, you know, the reinforcements come in, but they were six games under 500. At that point oh. now, 
Yeah, like they were six games under 500. And so that when they were looking up at the standings there, it was just about it was just about like getting into the play in to have a chance to win a game. Uh, They're in a more advantageous position this year in that they're looking more at like, okay, the the seven is actually somewhat reasonable. Like that's New Orleans being four games up in the loss column uh, right there. Dallas has been trending the other way. Uh, and even though they just got Kyrie back and like, you know, they could certainly rip off some wins, but that's Dallas is right there in the sights. I think where, where it starts to get dicey though, is top four. That's not happening. The top, the top four have six, like two, three and four have 16 losses. That is nine fewer than the Lakers. There's just not enough time, you know, barring some catastrophic injury luck to a team that's in the top four, five and six Sacramento and Phoenix, Phoenix, I think, has been – I put this in the thread the other day. So Beal, Durant, and Booker together on the court has been a plus 16 net rating, and that's before their win last night. That is really, really good. <laughs> that is – like they are they are trending in a very positive way if they have those guys on the court. And, you know, I think you that, – that's going to be a team that's difficult, difficult to catch in that context. But where do the Lakers really want to get ultimately – and I think this is the benefit to some degree of the plan now where if you can get in the seven, eight game and you're, you have LeBron and AD and basically you have, sure, you'd rather have it be at home, but either way you, you have to win, you have to get one win to lock yourself into a spot. It's not necessarily any better or worse than the six seed uh, where like, sure, you're guaranteed to get in there and you're playing the three, but the two and the three is a toss up as to which one's better. It's not that that's something that we won't know until the the last day of the regular season, probably Darius. So like the point is like the Lakers can zero in on that, on that as being the worst case scenario for a goal. Like they do not want to be where they're at right now in the nine ten and have to win two games uh, to just to get into a playoff series. I think that having to win one is manageable and that's where you start doing the standings watching the the irony behind this of course is that you could just not look at the standings at all and just try to win every night but i think that you need the mental calculus of what we're doing uh, to motivate a team kind of like in the in-season tournament you know i'd be asking i was like hey by the way do you know if you win this game by in point differential guess what you're going to be able to host that next game and you know ad kind of looks up oh so we can play this game at home instead of having to go to new orleans you know what that's worth that's worth the extra effort and and yeah. that's i think where you could put that same you could put that same vibe out um into the standings watchings as you as you get closer here yeah and i'll be interested to see how much the trade deadline plays a part in that calculus as well about whether or not um not making a deal um sort of solidifies the mentality of the group that's there um if they do make a deal, what kind of boost that 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 may offer them? Um, I'm also in, interested, Mike, in how the trade deadline affects the rest of the league. Right? It seems like I was listening to a, to a pod the other day, and they were talking about the teams that are buyers often don't have a lot of ammunition to go buy. We were just talking about the Mavs. The Mavs have been discussed within a lot of trade discussions and how can they improve potentially on the wing or get a power forward. You look at a team like the Bucks. the Bucks have been discussed as like, oh, well, what can the Bucks go do? But they don't have any assets at all. And they were talking about how um, I say they if this is more like national punditry, but 
the idea of so many of the future picks that it normally takes to go and get a player, those are all controlled by teams that aren't necessarily looking to make a trade right now as a buyer, right? And, and so how does the trade deadline potentially impact teams that are above the Lakers in the standings? Um, and if none of those teams make are able to make deals, then and the Lakers do potentially improve themselves by a small margin or solidify themselves mentally with the group that they have in place. What can that do for them in terms of propelling them them forward as well? So there's a lot at play here, Mike. There's a lot of moving parts, but I'm I'm encouraged with where the team is both mentally and the shape of the lineups and the shape of the team that they're sending out there each night to compete. And I think that they're right there ready to make a move. Yeah. So that I'm with you on all that. The last thing I wanted to get to in just doing a little bit more standings watching and and, and sort of thinking about things that you can't control because obviously the context of all of this is that the Lakers have to take care of their business. And we're not assuming that, but just just to sort of bring outside context into this. I was looking at Sacramento. So Sacramento right now is 29 and 20. And their net rating, though, last time I looked was was basically zero. So they have won a lot of tight games and they have gotten blown out, you know, in a lot of losses. And I think like I think, you know, they're a decent team, certainly. Uh, they're a playoff caliber team, but I just I don't see a lot of as much upside there. But they have a home game against uh, Detroit next. And here's after that home against Denver at OKC at Phoenix at Denver, then home against San Antonio, then at Clippers home against Miami at Denver at Minnesota home against Chicago at Lakers. That is a brutal brutal stretch and that's about what is that like 10 games one two three four five six so that's 12 games the lakers in that same in that same uh stretch have a an easier schedule you know albeit some certainly some difficult games but let's just do the next 12 here real quick so we've already talked about denver new orleans detroit utah then it's at golden state home for san antonio at phoenix at clippers washington at home denver at home okc at home and then sacramento so there are five games separating the Lakers and the Kings, and I would say it's going to be tough, you know, even if the Lakers are great to make up five games in that stretch, but they could certainly make up three, you know, and then all of a sudden you're two games back in the loss column. And that's a team that is maybe coming back to that range um, in, in could could if Dallas gets hot and goes the other way, right? These are just the kind of things to think about is that there's going to be some movement in the West. Teams are too tight. Um, teams are too good. And the Lakers are at least have put themselves by thanks to the Grammy trip where they went four and two, instead of going two and four, they put themselves in the position to at least have some hope um, of real movement upwards. And, you know, every, every game in that context matters, Darius. And it's uh, it's something that I think they, they can bring into focus once this trade deadline gets passed, whether they make a move or they don't, this is the group. The The goal is right in front of us, and it's something that can be attainable. 100%, Mike. I will add, to that Lakers are four games back of the Pelicans in, in uh, the loss column currently for seventh. And they play the Pelicans twice before the season ends. They play them um, upcoming this week, and then they play them in the last game of the regular season, Mike, on April 14th. 
And so that could be a very meaningful game on the very last game of the season. And this is the position the Lakers are it's in. It's on the road, by the way, which isn't ideal. It's in New Orleans. It's definitely not not ideal. But imagine if that's the game that could flip between you playing the Pelicans on the road in the play-in versus playing them at home in the play-in. And to speak to that extra motivation that you get when you were talking to AD about point differential yeah, that, and when, in-season tournament. That's when LeBron is guarding Zion. Right. Yes. Like he did. Yeah. In the in-season tournament. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's there's so much still to look forward to, but in a condensed 30 game stretch here to close out the season and trade deadline is tomorrow. Lakers will also play the Nuggets tomorrow in a very important game and they will reveal the statue that they've erected for Kobe Bryant. And we'll be there to talk about all of that stuff tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant. 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed, a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move, two, score. one, miss it! It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.